0: You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi.
1: Mom, can we go to the pool?
0: And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.
2: Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, Every note! or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, Crew. You can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at AmFam.com. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000, American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, man. I'm pretty
0: sure... This podcast episode with Michelle Collins is going to make you think about a lot of things. Uh, It may be the most powerful episode that I've done so far in terms of emotion, the weight and gravity of it, and I'm honored to share the long-form discussion that Michelle Collins and I had about death, dying, tragedy, loss, love, joy, and everything in between. Um, please be aware that um, this is a really deep dive when it comes to understanding different topics related to loss, and um, some of the content may feel a little jarring. But that's the point of this podcast: is to really dive deep, whether it's in joy, whether it's in sorrow. So I'm really, really grateful to presenting to you, to be presenting to you, Michelle Collins.
1: Hey, I hear you.
0: Yes, I am by the beach and uh, enjoying a beautiful view right now, Michelle.
1: Oh, that sounds lovely. I can hear the birds in the background. Uh,
0: lots of birds up this way. and I'm looking out at islands and uh, just beautiful mountains. Pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the more I listen to your podcast and when you talk about where you live, it, it really makes me think road trip. I need I to come so. see that. Yeah. You gotta
0: come up here. And plus, you know, from talking to you before this, you seem like you would you would enjoy something like this. It's really uh it's very peaceful and beautiful.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely have a plan um uh to live near the ocean. Nearer the ocean. I'm i right. you know, only about an hour away here in Portland, but
0: That's not too bad.
1: Yeah. But it's not like I can just walk out my back door.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I never had that in my life. In fact, I never lived anywhere close to water my entire life and then a year ago a little over a year ago we moved up here to blaine washington and my only stipulation in getting a house i told my wife i only want one thing i want to be able to walk to the beach Mm -hmm. and we found a really beautiful house a nice neighborhood that's about a three minute walk and a 20 second you know car ride down so um, when i said i was going to go to the beach before we got on here i was like here are Literally no time, so it was great.
1: Oh, that sounds perfect. Except, um, Blaine, Washington, just the water there is so cold.
0: <laughs> it's definitely not warm, I yeah. can tell you that. But in July, it does get the water does get warm, um, which is really, I didn't see that coming, I didn't think that was a part of it. But uh, if we go kayaking in July and uh, you put your hand in the water, it is very warm.
1: Well, that sounds brave. I might watch you. <laughs> I might watch you from the shore. Right, right. <laughs> you're like, on. hi, hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I grew up, we, when I was little, we, my family actually had a house at Seaside, Oregon, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, which is where the end of the Lewis and Clark Trail is. There's we'll oh, a turnaround cool. there. It's kind of a cool little mom- monument, but, um, I remember, you know, swimming on New Year's Day in the ocean when I was little. But when you're little, I don't know, I'm a lot more sensitive to cold now than I
0: was then. I think all adults are. (laughs) My daughter is like, she doesn't care how cold the water is. She wants to go in. And all kids are like that. Like even here, like in the wintertime, sometimes there's this beautiful resort, the Semyon Resort here. And, uh, that's like, you know, like eight minutes from my house, we go down and there's like kids in there. It's like 45 degrees in the winter and the kids <laughs> are like in the pool and it's a heated pool, but it's not that heated. Every time I go in there, I'm like, this could be warmer, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So I think it's different perspectives as you grow up. Things change when you get older.
1: You yes, know? yes. You've had some experience and seen some things and your body maybe is less resilient than it was.
0: <laughs> you know, it's kind of like if you go back to where you used to live when you're growing up or different places, it, it definitely is like, I remember this house being bigger than what it, what it is actually, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, my dad actually still lives in the house that I grew up in, not just grew up in, but my family lived there, my dad, my mom, and my three siblings, before I was born.
0: So how long, was, how long has it been then?
1: Um, I think they bought that house in
0: 1963. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Old school.
1: Yeah. And, he, and it's the same address, but literally that's the only thing that's the same. It was a three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,800-square-foot house when they bought it
2: and Mm -hmm. my mom
1: loved remodeling she she loved she was one of those planet beautifiers right so Ah, wherever she went something had to be beautiful and you know she kept herself very beautiful her clothes her her nails were always done and she always had flowers in the house and her yard was gorgeous and so there was a remodel going on So much of yeah. my growing up. It ended up, now it's a five-bedroom, five-bath, almost 4,000-square-foot house with Whoa. a pool and a hot tub.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a deal, huh?
1: Yeah. My siblings complained. They're, they were older than me. When Whenever they left for college, it seemed like my mom would add another bathroom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait, so they left and then there was another bathroom added. That seems weird. It,
1: it does. But, you know, she, she took her time and made sure everything yeah. was just as she wanted it. Yeah, we all shared rooms when we were little. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was six of us in a, you know, fairly small house, but it was fun.
0: Six. Uh, I didn't know that you had that many siblings. Well, three yeah.
1: siblings and then the two parents. That makes six.
0: Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Sorry. I misinterpreted that. I was like, six kids. I'm
1: like, no, 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 My My mom had to fight for me. Actually, my dad was done after three. and (laughs) I I won. uh, I was the outcome of the winning of my mother's argument.
0: (laughs) Oh, I see. I see. Gotcha. So tell me a little bit more about your mom. I think, um, man, I could be messing this up. I'm trying to remember, but your mother passed away correct? Yes,
1: she died in 2007. So we're we're just coming up on the 12-year anniversary in a few weeks here.
0: So how has that affected you, you know, the passing of your mom Um, over
1: time? You know, I have to say it was the, well, up until 2016, it was the Mm -hmm. defining moment of my life. Um, My mom was just one of those rare people who really elegantly supported everyone in her world um you know when you I still have people when I post a picture of her on Facebook people that I may not have even talked to for 20 years saying I remember your mom she was so loving and you know I'd always bring home I I went to college just across town and I'd bring home a horde of hungry college students and my mom Mm -hmm. would just love feeding everyone and um so she was just really, really supportive of all four of us kids and um, my dad. And, and it was a beautiful relationship that way. None of us really realized, I think, how dependent we were on her, how much she was the glue for the fabric of our lives. And um, when she got sick, it was 2002, 2003, sorry. Um, my daughters were one, four and seven and it went you know it was it turned my world completely upside down because she was my primary supporter i mean my husband was great he was a really good dad really good husband but had um you know he worked and he, he we were we were all taking care of him too so you know it was uh all of a sudden i lost my footing because I had to take care of my mom instead of the other way around and my dad hmm. for that matter. Right. Cause my dad was used to, like I said, her, her wonderful care. So, um, yeah, it was, it was three and a half years. She had two, um, bone marrow stem cell transplants. Um, and, uh, finally a year after the second transplant, the cancer came back again. So, um, I, I learned a lot about leukemia that I wish I had never learned. I
0: bet. I bet. <laughs> and yeah. a lot
1: about shock and a lot about perspective um, and experience. I remember after one of the first, the three of us were all getting the same news about my mom's prognosis, which was very poor. Uh, it was right. uh, not that prognosis means anything, but at the time, you know, you're so hungry for knowledge because you think that a little bit of knowledge will at least help you grasp some control. And right. um, so the prognosis at the time was an 18% chance of 12 months survival. Oof. And we all three left that appointment. That was our first appointment with the bone marrow uh, transplant specialist up at Oregon Health Sciences University. And his name was Dr. Curtin, which I thought was kind of ironic.
0: It's a weird, weird name. <laughs> I Dr. Curtin. I <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: I, I heard maybe one tenth of what he was saying because all I could do was stare at him and think, what are you saying to me? You know, and so we all got in the car after that. We're driving back home and all three of us, (laughs) my dad, my mom and I reported what we had heard. And it was a completely different story. Right. And it was all this is something now that I teach uh, when I'm working with students and clients is, you know, everyone has a different experience. So you may not agree. You may you may have been in the same place at the same time. And have had a different experience because you're bringing different um, background and different expectations to your experience. Totally. I have a funny example of that. So when I was little, I don't know if if you're old enough to remember when potato chips only came in one type. They were flat and they were yellow. And they had no flavor. I don't think I
0: remember this. (laughs) <laughs>
1: so in the bag of or maybe may have even been a box then of yellow potato chips occasionally you'd come across a green one one with green edges do you yeah. remember this
0: i don't remember okay. this i don't well, know why it, yeah. they,
1: maybe it wasn't a thing for you growing up but they were gross the green part was gross <laughs> sometimes it was a little soggy but yeah. my siblings because they didn't want to eat the green ones they convinced me that that was the best part of the potato chip. Hmm. And, and because I'm the little one and I'm like, Oh yeah, whatever my siblings say must be appropriate and correct. (laughs) So I ate all the green potato chips happily.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So
1: an exercise in perspective. Um,
0: Certainly. And you guys had very different perspectives of hearing that, the very jarring news. Yeah. From Dr. Curtin. Yes.
1: <laughs> and my mom um was only seeing the eighteen percent. She's like, Oh, I got this. You know, I'm gonna fight this, yeah. I'm gonna beat this, I'm healthy, I have so much to live for. You know, and, and my dad and I were looking. Well, I don't know that my dad had any reaction. I think he was just in shock, but I was looking, you know, I was planning our funeral. I mean, internally, of course, I never said that to her, but I was just sure that was it. My mom was dying. And, you know, it was three and a half years later that she actually passed. But, um, you know, my life just went into a complete, I went into a complete tailspin um, trying to. In what ways? Well, I was trying to manage, you know, I had three little kids. Anyone who's listening to this who has three children or even one or two or more knows that that takes a lot of balancing. It takes, it's a sure. lot of juggling. It's a lot of work. And um, then there's a husband and a household. We probably had some pets. Um, actually, we didn't have any pets yet at that point. And then my dad and my mom. So it, it was like full court press. Everybody needs me. And um, I, I couldn't take care of myself. I went into shock. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. Um, I, was, I was just a complete disaster. All I could do was cry for weeks. And, and we didn't even know anything. So I, I ended up getting myself together slowly with, you know, therapy. And um, I was into, you know, yoga. Uh, and I went to the gym a lot, you know, big exercise fan. Um, because I knew innately that if I fell apart, there wasn't anybody to take care of all these people. Yeah. So, you know, just, just one step at a time. And that was my, that was a really big life lesson for me. Um, you know, just, just to be able to keep going, just to be able to get out of bed every day. And, and there was such great need. I mean, my mom was in and out of the hospital, uh, her first round of chemo was six months long. Oh man! And she'd be in, you know, for eight days or so, and then out until she could recover enough to go back in. And yeah, it was it was really, really a tough time.
0: Well, tell me um, because you know we have, for all the listeners out there, Michelle and I have become quite the texting buddies <laughs> in between all this. And I and I told Michelle. Before she, you know, asked her to come on the show, that I wanted to be there for her and connect with her and support her in any way, and so it's been nice texting back and forth. And I told her, "So we're going to dive pretty deep on this." And I think one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, besides because you're a wonderful person, mm-hmm. is that you. you have a story. Of course, you have a story. That I think this is just the beginning of the story. It gets even bigger <laughs> after this. Uh, you're going to hear some stuff. But I think people sometimes don't. Talk about their pain and in depth. They might say, "Oh, my mom died. This, you know, this person had this happened to me, and this and that." But I think sometimes what wakes people up and what gives them perspective is hearing the nitty gritty, really deep stuff that happens during this. You know, we're afraid sometimes to talk about death and dying, but it's a hundred percent that's going to happen to all of us mm-hmm. and, and
1: our loved ones
0: and our loved ones, and you know one day you and i will not know each other you know we will not be speaking to each other we pass on but i wanted to
1: well actually take a... Darian, my belief is um that when we pass on we just drop our bodies and you and i'll be up there having great conversations well, still
0: <laughs> i no, i agree with that i didn't i wouldn't really mean it mean that way i mean i'm a christian so i believe in life, you know, after death and the whole deal, just physically on this planet, yeah. we will be no more yeah. with each other. We won't be having these phone calls. I don't know. Will you be making phone calls? I don't know. After that? I don't know. Like, there's a lot. I, I was telling my wife I'm like, are we going to be partying? Like, what type of partying? I want to know what I'm getting into. I no, guess it joking, depends but...
1: on who, um, you know, how we want to connect with the people who are still in their bodies. Sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, is it going to be open bar or what? I mean, not, never mind. <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> digress. It better be. Um, but I would love for you to speak if you feel comfortable about kind of the moments before your mom passed and what that was like for oh, you. Oh,
1: You did mean going deep.
0: I'm not messing yeah. around, I, and I will share too. I will yeah. because I'm. This is not a one-way share. I will, I'm happy to share too, and I will. Yeah.
1: And I have. I'm going to answer your question, but I just want to say I have appreciated. Um, I've been listening to a few of your podcasts, uh, and wow, you are prolific. I'm so amazed <laughs> with just the volume of. of- But the quality to the people. Oh, thank you. I've learned so much and just admired the way that you connect with the people that you're that you're talking to. And it's just really renewed sort of my vision of connecting with people and how important a connection without necessarily an agenda is.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's the best way to say it, Michelle. I just always having these conversations with people and it just. Felt right to start bringing it to the light. And so other people could really hear how other human beings are living. You know, and texting and chatting, that's nice and stuff, but it does, you don't really get to know the person on a very deep level. And this is a good way to consume a lot of information in a quicker way. And you'll be like, man, I learned so much about Michelle Collins (laughs) that I would have never known about that. And I just meet people. That's why I'm so prolific. Like I'm constantly having calls with people. And I have the time to do it. So I'm like, these are now becoming podcasts. So it's like two, three a week. And it ain't stopping. I'm booked all the way through like late July with with guests. And it just keeps coming. So I'm like, guess I have to keep doing (sighs) this.
1: (laughs) It's so wonderful. I really, I I am hopeful, you know, at at least from my perspective, telling my story. um, Obviously, I was encouraged by a number of people. um, Your story can help people and you know when you have a story like mine you it's it, i'm hesitant because when i'm face to face with some people and i and i talk about the things i've been through i i'm very empathetic and i feel their sort of discomfort but then right. i realize with people like you encouraging me we need to get these stories out there because trauma and tragedy happens to everyone. And if we, you know, we don't need to live our lives based on what's happened to us. Um, You know, one of my favorite sayings is grow through it. Don't just get through it, grow through it. And we have the opportunity. It's my belief that everything that happens in our lives, every relationship, every experience, everything we're exposed to happens so that we can learn. I call this our earth school.
0: Mm, I like that.
1: And if you take it like from that, that perspective, um, of course it hurts. Of course there's, you know, growth hurts. It's all growing pains, yeah. but I have been forced to get to this point because I want to enjoy life. I want to be happy and healthy and sing and dance and, and, you know, swim in the ocean and, and enjoy and, this makes me think of another story I'll tell you, but back to the answer. I wanted to answer your question. Yeah, le- let's do it. Leading up to my mom's death. Um, so July 6th, 2007, she had been we had, the cancer had been back for a month. We actually found out on her 70th birthday, which was June 4th, um, that it was back. And we knew if it came back that there was no, no more treatment available that it was it was going to take her life so it was the bad news we'd been you know dreading for three and a half years um and she came home that day and they had we had arranged for hospice um and you know mostly you're in shock I shouldn't say you I can only speak to my experience mostly we were in shock you know you're making arrangements my sister lived overseas in Israel she still does uh so getting her, you know, to and from, we had to do a lot. And so that was a big priority. My other brothers in Phoenix and Texas, uh, Phoenix, Arizona and Dallas, Texas, um, and their families. And, you know, what do you, all these decisions that you have to make when you are under yeah. such stress, which is part of the reason I, I really try to teach people or impart to people, prepare that's my whole practice is about making people, you know, find their not making people, but inviting people to find their inner strength and resilience, so that when these things happen, they they can still be present and not let yeah. the shock and trauma remove them from from the experience, um, as you know, as as difficult as it might be. So it was basically just a week. um, It was eight days of sitting with, you know, relatives, sitting at her bedside. She wanted to be home. Um, She was conscious most of the time until about 48 hours before she died. Uh, Wasn't able to speak. The last time she spoke was Wednesday morning. You know, I remember each of these moments. It was absolutely... Your whole body is there, your whole being is there, and you want to be anywhere else you want anything else to be happening <laughs> yes you know yes. can't, can't and you can't change it. it it's just oh, I wish that I had a regular meditation practice back then. I had yoga, um, but it was a little bit different than my regular meditation practice um, it includes meditation but it's not well the same, and we'll talk about that later as it as yeah. it as it is for me now, um, and we all just did what we could to survive those days, you know, I remember walking through the days and through the night with my brother Mark, my next the next closest sibling in age to me, um walking through a summer thunder shower um, and then it and, and I know a lot of people who study death and, and if you've read a lot about it, um, people some, tend to be able to die at, you know, when it's a situation like this, of course, and not like an instant um, when they choose to. Like you've, you hear stories about right. people waiting for their loved ones to arrive to the hospital and then they die. And in my mom's case, I believe she chose to die alone. Not alone that we mm. weren't there, but um, my dad, uh, obviously, just dramatically upset, um, just wanted to go to bed, he just didn't know what to do. So she's in her bed, we, he, she, he kicked us all out. He's like, can we just go to bed? <laughs> and we're all, yeah. we're all thinking, wait, that's not what we do. Uh, we need to sit here and watch her, you know?
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it's right. just
1: also insane and bizarre when you think about these decisions that you're making during this, this time. And then, so we all went to bed. I don't, uh, I was in, um, bed with my sister in her old room. And, um, my brother, Mark was up chatting with the hospice nurse. Cause there's no way he was going to sleep. And, uh, that's when she died. And, I heard the door open to the bedroom where my dad and mom were and as soon as I heard that click I knew what had happened. And yeah. I got up and I ran down the hall and jumped in bed with her and Oh, yeah, that was Wow. That wow. Was thank tough. you
0: for thank you for sharing that. I I mean, I didn't tell you I was going to go that deep, but I think it was <laughs> I think it's honestly it's wonderful for people to hear because There are are thousands of stories of those last moments, millions of stories of people. You know, and it's interesting, um, I've been around death recently quite a a bit. You know, my grandmother just passed away uh, like three weeks ago. Thank you. And, you know, she had dementia, so it kind of changed who she was over time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember all the good things about her. And then my mother-in-law passed away a few years ago. And just, you're right, it's such a bizarre time. And I I live on the opposite side of the country of where my grandmother, she lived in New York. So I got there after she had passed away. Um, but I got there just in time when my mother-in-law passed away in Pennsylvania. And my wife was already there. And um, there's an eerie quality to it. Just, mm-hmm. I was driving up from my parents' house in Baltimore and I remember my wife called me and she said, um, how far away are you? And oh. I said, well, I'm about, I'm about an hour away. She said, okay, um, if you can get here as quickly as possible. And my wife's a nurse, so she's very used to a lot of this. And she works, she's worked in assisted livings, nursing homes. She's very familiar with the mm. process. Yeah. And I remember I walked in the door, you know, and everybody was gathered around Uh, Janet, who was my mother-in-law. And, you know, she didn't look like her. I had seen her, like, a couple months before, and you could see the deterioration. And I didn't recognize this person. You know, they couldn't talk. And gathered around. And then I realized how small my wife's side of the family is. It was just five of us in there. That's it. And and me included, you know. I didn't grow up with them or anything, but small family. And I I remember one of the, the, the greatest gifts was that all the family left and allowed me to have a couple minutes by myself with Janet. And I put, I'm going to have a hard time talking about this. It's hard. It's It's really
1: hard. We get deep into our hearts when we talk about
0: these things. And I remember I put my hand on her hand. I said, it's, it's okay to let go. I made it here. And you know, this is too much suffering. I was like, there's Mm -hmm. a much better situation for you on the other side of this. And I said, it's time to, time to let go and then they all came back in and she died right after that. Mm. It was it was an incredible moment. It was it was it was strange, man. I mean, it was yeah. just crazy. It was jarring. Like I had a rough time for a week. I would like go in and out of like crying and just feeling completely lost and helpless and I wasn't even like super close to her like that. <laughs> you know, I wasn't and we, we had a good relationship for 14 years, but it wasn't like she was like we were talking all the time and spinning all this. I mean, I lived on the opposite side of the country, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. But um, I think being that close to that was just really jarring for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't forget seeing the, the picture in your mind of somebody passing away, watching it, at least for me. It's hard to unsee that. Yeah. In my mind. Well, it's like, you Right.
1: Know. Well, you don't get to unsee it. <laughs> yeah, but no. you you need to figure out a way to ho- hopefully make friends with it. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lean yeah. into it. It just sticks it and, in your mind. You know. Right. It, it's it's integration is is what I go for. Yeah. Integration yeah. rather than um, pushing it out because you can't. It's it's your experience now.
0: Yeah, it's part of your you know portfolio, your life, your the bricks yeah. in your wall of your life. And, and back, uh,
1: back to my theme here, you know, this is why we need our practices. We need our,
0: yeah.
1: our exercise, our self care, all <clears throat> all of the things that I prioritize and, and teach to be able to not just get through those experiences, but here you are sharing it. it, it that's so brave.
0: I think, it's uh, it's good when we talk about difficult things, you know, I've never been one to shy away from it. And it was a large part, a large motivation to having a podcast was, you know, there's there's I mean, you've listened to some of the episodes. Some of them are light and funny and stuff. And, <laughs> and, you know, me talking about weird stuff with other people. But I wanted this episode badly because this was to me going to be the first one where it was going to be heavy, like pretty heavy.
1: Oh, and, I don't
0: want to be that person, Darian. <laughs> no, no. I think that person reaches more people because this is this is going <sighs> to jar people and they need to face it. They need to face it. And sometimes when you're riding in a car somewhere for two hours and you're like, what do I do to fill that time? And you listen to Michelle Collins tell this story. It's going to impact your life. It's going to change how you think. <clears throat> And yes, the happiness and fun, listen to me talk about experimenting with different things is funny. I get it. <laughs> you know, stuff but but this is also life is both sides. It's not just hanging out and stuff and you know, the great times we're having. There's there's sorrow too in life and
1: and how well, you come out the other yeah. side of
0: that's important to discuss, you know.
1: I think it is. I think it's it's extremely important, you know, resilience and post traumatic growth. Um we We have to prepare, we have to be as yeah. strong as we can, and i don 't mean to sound all gloom and doom it 's just reality it you is. Know? and and it works with everything you don't you don 't have to be prepared you know mentally, emotionally, physically for uh, the death of your closest relative. It could be something that you see on the news, something you know yeah. our political climate climate change. You know, how many people are, are staying awake at night, feeling powerless um, or angry or, uh, you know, frustrated about climate change or our political sure. climate? Well, if you have these regular practices of self-care, in my case, meditation, yoga, in your case, you know, exercise, um, our relationships, our supportive relationships, a gratitude practice. You need all of these things just to not lose your mind in this environment, <laughs> you know, just to just to yeah. have feel your purpose and, and live in joy every day. I, I don't know how people do it without those things.
0: I think, you know, see, I like the terminology you, you call it practice. And I think everybody maybe has different terminologies like for me. It is, uh, it sounds more technical, I guess, like nerdy, probably <laughs> like a, sy- a system. Do you have a system in place? What <laughs> is your operating system that gives you the ability to have resilience for that? And I think a lot of times people fall down because they have no practice or no system yeah. that gives them the ability to withstand or be resilient and grow through the process of whatever they're going through. That's you know, ex- people get exactly
1: cr- the same, thing. right? Yeah. yeah. Practice right. People get up so charged. Mm
0: -hmm. charged about like politics and climate change and all these big level things and wealth gap and economy and all this stuff and you know you see people do irrational things during these types of debates with that and a lot of times if they don't have a practice or a system that centers them to not lose their mind when they're going through these discussions
1: yeah or or lose um lose who they are, lose who, who, you know, what's your purpose? Why are you here? I do a practice Mm -hmm. in my meditation every day that reminds me to be centered on my purpose. In in Sanskrit, it's Dharma. So if Mm -hmm. anyone practices yoga out there, you probably have heard that term, but yeah, yoga brought me to that. Yoga brought me to meditation. Meditation brought me to my center and I wouldn't have gotten here if I wouldn't have had these experiences because, you know, a lot of people um, that you read about and, and hear about with these practices, self-awareness, they have, they've gone through something. And that's why they they need to go so deep into spirituality, awareness, um, religion, what, whatever it is that, you know, or, or exercise or, you know, what, whatever it is you find the practice that makes it so you can live happily again.
0: Well, you know, before we launch and getting deeper and move further along in your story, I want to ask you a question. So I'm at least seeing in health and wellness trends that yoga, meditation, recovery, all those things are becoming gigantic in our world. What is it that you think is causing this sudden increase or continual rise in the, uh, meditation yoga recovery spirituality
1: that's a big question darian <laughs> um,
0: that's what we do we ask yes,
1: big questions i know well and i'm thinking about um, i was listening to your podcast with rochelle about the um, it, you know institutionalization uh, of of wellness um mm-hmm. But I I think that it's a need that people are not finding uh, fulfillment for anywhere else. I think that we are all, um, and this is gonna I'm gonna you asked a, a gross question, so I'm gonna give you a gross you know generalization answer. Let's
0: get gross. Yeah, <laughs> <I think>
1: that, <laughs> you know, of course, every single person has their own uh, story and their own background and experiences, but. Um, that being said, I think that our we're just really an unhealthy society, and I'm I'm speaking specifically about United States because that's where I live and do my work. Um, it's probably more global than that, but I think that we have more than we can digest. Uh, and I'm when I talk about digestion, I talk about it from an Ayurvedic mm-hmm. perspective, which means we're digesting everything we're exposed to emotionally, mentally, and physically. So it's not just what you eat. You have to digest your exposures. And if you, you know, we're eating this really unhealthy diet that causes inflammation. We're staying up too late at night. So the inflammation in our mental emotional body doesn't get processed Um, sleep and meditation are mental floss. That's the way we get the ick out of our mental, emotional body. So when we aren't getting enough sleep and we aren't meditating, we're getting more and more and more inflamed and inflammation can show up as disease, anger, uh, destruction of relationships, uh, just basically unhealth, unhealthy uh, mind and body. So I think people realize they don't want to live that way. They want, they want joy. Our innate birthright is joy. So if you want that and you're living this inflamed life, this inflamed American, fast moving, French fry eating, not, (laughs) not to diss any particular kind of food, but, um, you know, we're not digesting our food. We're not digesting our, you know, you're watching TV at 10, 11 o'clock at night. You're watching Game of Thrones. I, I threw that out there because I know you've never watched it. I heard that on I your podcast. It.
0: Yeah, man, um, you're li- you are listen to these shows. That's good.
1: Well, I didn't know <laughs> what I was getting into, you know.
0: <laughs> That's good. Uh,
1: um, And so people, and, and, but we also have the internet, which can be, you know, as you've also talked about your podcast, pro and con, but it does allow you to, Find that home, whatever that home is everybody's looking for, relief from suffering, health, well-being, joy, and meditation and yoga, because meditation is part of yoga, uh, can get you there. It can reconnect you with that innate birthright of joy of who you are, of your strength, your resilience, your inner self, without all of these things that are covering that that's a a yogic uh, philosophy thing
0: yeah
1: that our center is you know our birthright our joyful resilient perfect being when we're born starts getting covered by conditioning and fear and separation and so so that's why
0: (laughs) there you so that's it okay gross answer i give you the gross
1: answer (laughs) but it's (laughs) it's you know, it saved my life. Literally, these practices saved my life because um, I needed resilience or I would have, I would have, there were times where I was thinking about taking my own life and I would not have survived. Literally, I'm not even being like dramatic here. Um, Oh, I understand. And that's what happens when, you know, um, a lot of people who go through trauma, especially suicide loss, um, also follow in that path.
0: Right, right. I don't well, know the
1: statistics, but it's high.
0: Yeah, I would imagine so. I don't know the statistics either, but I could tell you what, talking about it and being open about these things, <clears throat> they're very powerful means of communicating <laughs> emotions and and ways for people to help each other. And uh <laughs> I, I think oh it's okay. It's okay. Listen, everything, nothing's edited out here. It's gonna be <laughs> right. what it's gonna be. Mind so they're gonna hear your coughing tea. and choking attack. <laughs> your choke tea attack that you <laughs> chai tea, choke tea <laughs> attack. And um but I want this to be raw, and it should be raw. You know, this is I always tell people on some of the other podcasts that I do, I say, hey, I'm not into a polished life. Your life is not polished, mine is not polished, it's not, no matter how much we want to curate our pictures and videos and make them look so wonderful amazing life is nothing like that it's yeah. nothing like that
1: it and is that, messy i love that about your podcasts i love Thank some you. of these conversations you've had about um, you know weed and other oh, yeah. other uh, non prescription drugs and all i'm going to
0: give it to you real so i'm not going to yeah. i don't care i'm telling you you're going to learn this everybody will learn this I, I do not, I spend a lot of time caring about what somebody may have thought of me about smoking weed or doing mushrooms. And that's, that's wasted energy for me because, mm-hmm. you know, if people are going to feel a certain way about me because I did that. And by the way, if you listen to other ones. I spent a lot of time researching. It's not like I was like, yeah, let's just do this right now. You know, like <clears throat> I, I gotta be myself mm-hmm. and you got, and if you can't accept me for that, I've been very successful. I'm very responsible. I'm not some dude like playing NBA 2K all day in his basement and just like <laughs> this haze of smoke pill- billowing out of like, you know, asking my mom, Mom, can you get me something to eat? You know, like, no, I've done pretty decent for myself. But I do think pizza there is a
1: delivery. <laughs> yeah. The, come on,
0: man. You got any money for pizza? And I think that's the stereotype people have of other people doing things that are different than they're used to or that they are conditioned to believe something is supposed to be this way. And without having a thought process of saying, maybe this isn't what it seems like.
2: Mm-hmm. Let
0: me maybe question this. And if I just, if I research and discover that it is actually that, then so be it. But a lot of what I've discovered in my life is not what I've been told. In a lot of things, it's like, oh, I really have to think about this. So... I just think the rawness is important. Whenever I push publish on these podcasts, Mm -hmm. I literally say to myself, it's going to be what it's going to be. It's going to spread to wherever it's going to spread. And people are going to think whatever they want. And guess what? I'm going to do another one the next day. (laughs) And then I'm going to do another one a couple of days from now. And it's
1: just going to be this way. And you're grounded and you're healthy and you're living your purpose. And I mean, you're, you're a incredible example to the people who are listening and the people whose lives you touch and i think that that's a great message what you just said you when we spend so much time in that world of what will people think um we can get off of our purpose and i think that's lazy energy you know yeah
0: you start I, i was watching um you know, I talk about Netflix on my podcast sometimes if you <laughs> like talking about. Netflix. I know you,
1: I actually had to download it to watch that Brene Brown um, special because I didn't even have Netflix.
0: <laughs> and now you got it and you're like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> like,
1: that's all I've watched so far. But
0: <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm going to give you another suggestion. People, I like giving out Netflix suggestions. I am not watching late at night, just so you know. But <laughs> I tend to watch. I'm an afternoon viewer because that's when I have a lot of time to do my podcasts and all this stuff. But uh watch when they see us holy cow it's about the central park five guys back in 1989 that got uh convicted um of this uh female jogger attack this raping of this woman back in 1989 and they were wrongly imprisoned and like six and 12 years later they were exonerated and but the the actual process of like these were little kids 14 15 years old basically and and how you know the police essentially coerced them into their statements, and the parents weren't—they didn't allow. Basically, got them in there before the parents could get there, and they just—I mean, it's just—and then oh, just wow. the process of watching them grow up, and as teenagers in prison, how brutal it was for them, for something they didn't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell you what—it destroys—it destroys something in you a little bit watching that show. I, I mean, it's really heartbreaking. But why I like stuff like that is back to because I don't think we should hide from stuff like that. I think that's why I like talking about really deep, specific things. I asked you about the moments before your mom passed away. We should talk about that. We shouldn't be afraid to discuss these really sensitive things because you're not in a a vacuum like this. A lot of people have been next to their mom when they are about to pass away. They need to feel comforted that this, they're not alone in that. You know? and,
1: and even further than comforted that, you know, when you can sit back and realize, sure, loss hurts and it's terrible. You can't stop it. You can't not yeah. have that experience like we were talking about earlier. But what you can do is realize that one of the most beautiful things about being human is feeling. We, yes. we have these emotions to help guide us and experiencing them is, is the most important thing you can do as a human. And we, we lean away from discomfort. That's one of the central mm, teachings yes. of yoga is, you know, lean in to the discomfort, becoming comfortable with discomfort. And yeah. it's so, it's so important. That's where resilience lies. And that's also where the, you know, the place you get to expand your wings, the place you get to grow into that stronger uh, person who can have even more experiences instead of, again, running away or numbing it, you know, with, uh, with chemicals or TV or, you know, whatever it is you're missing out because you don't want to feel or right. you only want to feel good, but but <laughs> that's not that's not how it works.
0: Isn't that funny? Everybody wants to feel good all the time. Like this, it's not realistic. You know, it's just
1: no. And if we only and felt good, how would we know we were only feeling good?
0: I know. You know, there has to be
1: a balance, a, a yin and a yang, right? There, there that's has right. to be a balance. If it, there has to be highs and lows. I mean, the lows don't have to necessarily be as low as some of the ones I've experienced or you yeah. experienced.
0: But, right, right.
1: But we have to have contrast or we don't have anything to feel.
0: Totally, totally agree. Well, let's lean into more discomfort here. <laughs> and you like that? You like that segue there? You're yeah. the
1: best. You're the I,
0: best. Thought, I I just, oh, you know, God. I just, this is just what I do. Okay. <laughs>
1: like, you do let's it lean... elegantly.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, let's lean into uh, sometime later in your life and maybe, uh, think, um, about divorce and divorce. discussing that. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, my, my husband at the time that my mom passed, who's now my ex-husband, um, he's a great guy and I have nothing, uh, nothing bad to say about him. We, I think, um, you know, I don't know that I want to go publicly into why we got divorced sure. because yeah, sure. it, there's so many layers. And he and I have reconciled as far as, you know, we, we've had a, a long, long discussion and apologized to each other. It was a beautiful moment. Shared a That's shot great. of tequila. <laughs>
0: oh, baby. I
1: know. That was my last, my, my last tequila. Alcohol and I uh, have, have uh, parted as friends. <laughs> our relationship is over and, I see. but we're, see. we're both better off for it. So it's I okay. see, I Um, see. yeah, we can go down that road later if you want, but yeah, um, you know, so the divorce was obviously, you know, earth shattering. We had three small children and well, middle, I guess they were tweens at the time. Um, and just it, again, it, it really tears your world up. Um, and you know, I think one of the one of the groups it's hardest on is your social circle because they feel like they have to choose. Obviously you're not getting along. You want support from your social circle and they can't do both. Right. So it's, it's a very destabilizing time in your life. Hopefully um, you know, I had a couple of really good friends I could lean on and um, you know, we got through it. And like I said, we, we, we have a good communication now, and it took a lot of work. I, only the work I did on myself allowed this to happen. Uh, and I'm sure he's been working on it himself, too. Um, but the, the taking down the defenses, you know, part of, yeah, with, with all experiences that are hard, uh, especially the ending of a relationship, you want to, you pile in all this yuck, right, to, to justify what you're doing. You know, oh, he's this, he's that, he did this, I can't live with him anymore. Right. Um, when really, you, you know, at least in my case, um, I just think we couldn't find the tools to get back to each other. Right. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, I think that we, people who split up or, or even, you know, you have to be able to have a conversation with someone that you don't agree with. Totally, totally. You know, you can't base your relationships with people only on something that they did or did not do. You know, we we can't just judge behavior. We would have no friends. (laughs) Has everyone in your life that you've ever met in your life only behaved in a way you approve of? Of course not. Yeah. No, of course not we can't live in judgment and so it was my ability or my my work to get out of just living in judgment that allowed me to drop the defenses to um you know one of my meditation teachers david g uh it's d a v i d j i all one word amazing uh-huh. man he's got several books out and uh, yeah i can't recommend him highly enough for tons of free stuff online if anyone wants to look him up it's cool but he Um, has a really great way of talking about defenselessness. And when I first started listening to him, I thought, defenselessness? Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have to defend myself. But the deeper I get into my spiritual practices, I realize that that's really not a thing. If Mm. you're defending, you're not open to connecting.
0: Of course, and of course. especially
1: for you, Darian. I know that's what you're all about—is connection.
0: I'm all about it. I, uh, you know, it's um, when you stop going on offense all the time with people, they stop playing defense also. With yes. It. yes, And uh, and I learned that. I learned that a while ago. Courage, it is. Yes, I love to be that person. People tell their worst stuff too, (laughs) and I love to tell them. Doesn't matter to me. I care about you. I love you. You're 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 a human being. You you are not flawless. I am not flawless. No matter what you think about me and how good you think of I am, I mess up too, like anybody else.
1: And that's the beauty of humanity. We make mistakes, but we have to forgive and learn and especially the most important is forgiving yourself yes if you can yes. forgive yourself then you can learn to forgive others and and stay connected to people who you know may be struggling in ways that outwardly make them less than pleasant to be around
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what's but for i want to like... take
1: your analogy further here Okay, if you're the go for firefighter, it. Firefighter, when you run into the burning building of others' emotions, mm-hmm. are you putting out the fire?
0: Am I? Ooh, good question. Look at you! Wow. Um, I don't think that I put out the fire. <laughs> I think that I just I'm in it with them. Yes. I, you know, like, you're going down. I don't fix anything for people. I just I I share in it with them, and I say, hey, listen, mm-hmm. just. There's love in this with you. I love you. I care about you. I probably can't change what happened to you. I know I can't change it, but I could be there with you. I could, I've been very fortunate to be. This is going to sound really weird. I've been very fortunate. Let me say that again. I've been very fortunate to be around many people at their lowest moments. Very fortunate. It is a complete honor. To be around somebody who is willing to be that vulnerable with me, and tell me, again, again, like you, you don't want to share some stuff, which is fine. You, I want to respect that, and I will do the same thing. I won't say some names of people, but you know, I've certainly been around people who have been very close to taking their life, and I was one of the people that was standing in the way of them of doing that. And thank you. I, I don't that. mind being. The, of course, I don't mind being the last line of defense for that. And, you know, I I can't be that for everybody, but, um, but I try to as much as possible jump into the fire emotionally and, and be a, a source of goodness in their life because they're not receiving it. What a shame if you're not receiving goodness in your life and having somebody who's there for you. And, uh, you, you can't do that for everybody in the world, but you can do that for some people and really make a huge difference in their, and their outcome. You know, I, I'm not putting the fire out, but I'm, I'm just there with them, you know?
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I was going for. I wanted to hear your, your you let me, you let me. (laughs) I did, but that's so important as, you know, I, I'm going to call you a healer. Uh, I consider myself a healer, but we don't do the healing. We don't. What we do is we hold space. We, we tell the people who are suffering that they're okay. And then yeah. their healing, all of our healing comes from inside. Nobody can do it for us. Nobody no. can heal us. We can only feel that, that sort of, I don't know, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with the fire analogy. And you're coming mm-hmm. in as your superhero power <laughs> is that you wrap your fireproof cape around them so they right. can then survive to figure out how to get out of that fire.
0: Right. Right. And I don't know, for me, it's just a lot of joy. And it sounds strange, honestly, when I say it sometimes. But when I'm doing it, it feels very natural. Mm -hmm. And this podcast is, 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 uh, it's a fire. There's a house on fire (laughs) and we're just doing, we're just going in that house, fumes and everything. Okay. Some people in this house, I want to interview them, talk to them while the fire is going on.
1: Some days more than others. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Smoldering. And some days just, just starting the spark. And uh well, this you know, is your
1: purpose. I feel this my purpose, in you. man. Yeah. You are. And that's why you can say it's a joy and it's an honor. And you feel fortunate to be around people who are at their lowest point. This is your Dharma. This is your purpose.
0: Yes. And so yeah, I feel it, it.
1: it. Yeah. And so you get your energy from that. It comes in and it flows through you to the people that you're holding space for. It is so beautiful that you have stepped into this. The world is so fortunate that you have found oh, this. Oh,
0: thank you. Well, what's nice is that um, since I've started doing this, it's it's amazing what you hear from people. You know, it's not the volume for me. It's just like the individual stories. And, you know, I had a, um, a lady contact me today. She's like, oh, my gosh, I've been downloading all of the episodes, all of them. <laughs> And I've been listening and I listened to Julia air today. And then I listened to this. I listened to uh, the woman from Australia. I'm just like, whoa, this is like so authentic and crazy. I don't know this person from anything. Mm. They literally just contacted me out of the blue. And she's like, I just love podcasts. I just, this is my next one right here, man. This is the one I'm going to start listening to. And, and I have other people to go, this is what I listen to on my drive home every day. I'm like, really? Mm. You listening to this? And that's incredible to me that it tells me it's working. People are identifying with it. They identify with the casual conversational nature of it. Mm -hmm. It's not overly polished and stuff. It's just right. You didn't send me the
1: questions ahead of time. No, (laughs) no.
0: (laughs) No, which people in the beginning, I had to fight that because everybody wanted questions. Right. And I said, no, 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 no. This is like life. It's unscripted, man. It's just. And I'm not editing. I have people say, can you edit? Are we going to edit this part? I'm like, no. I'm like, whatever you said to me is going through. So you better be comfortable with what you tell me <laughs> today. <laughs> like, you know, unless you have some huge hang up, it's just going to be out there for the world. And I say, you know what? A lot of people are so consumed by what's going on in their life. It, you know, it's, it's very, unless it was something really crazy, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get a ton of blowback. But honestly, I think it'll humanize you and people will will really start to feel closer to you by your flaws and your faults and your good right. things. And, you yeah. know, so I, and so I join in, it's not like I ask people to tell me all this stuff and then I go, yeah, I don't share anything. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm giving it to you too. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know. And that, yeah, that's what makes it, this podcast so special.
0: That's awesome.
1: And I'm so honored to be here.
0: Yes. And that's how I feel it. Like I, I don't, like, have these applications and all this, like, manual. Oh, okay, submit online, this and that. I just talk to people like I normally do, and I get a feeling about them when I talk to them. I go off pure feeling, intuition. And I started talking to you within five minutes. I was like, I'm going to ask her to be on the show. I know <laughs> it. I just feel it. I got to ride that feeling. I got to see where this takes me, you know? Yeah. And I'm so glad because it's, this has been very rich and... Very deep, and I want to continue with that. And yes. some some years later, and again, I don't know the timeline, so I'll just say sometime later. As uh, you uh, remarried, correct?
1: I remarried. Yeah, my so my divorce was final, uh, twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. in uh, May of twenty thirteen, and um, a year later, uh, Glenn Collins came. Crashing into my life like a hurricane. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, I'd never met anyone like him. He was uh, not that tall, but the biggest person I had ever met. Um, just personality, stories, funny. And the, the way that he loved me was awesome. I had never, I, I, I always had sort of that schoolgirl hope you know and you're like oh my knight in shining armor is gonna come take all of you know everything that's dark in my life everything that's hard and just wash it away and carry me off on his well in this case black mercedes suv (laughs) um and i just lost my mind i i was so happy and so in love and it 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 completely shut down um my prefrontal cortex which is what being in love does uh and i i lost my ability to reason i didn't care um it's the best drug i've ever been on and i was so needy i was so incredibly needy um Mm. still looking outward for my needs to be fulfilled and you know i heard you mentioned maslow earlier in a podcast Mm -hmm. and when I was doing my studies at the Chopra center, uh, one of the things we talk about is um, how every decision that you make, every, every um, thing you pursue or react to is based on a distilled down version of Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. The four basic needs are attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance. Yep. And if one of those things is not met, then you may behave in a way that, that you think is justified, but not your best choices. So I wasn't, I didn't have any of those needs met when I met Glenn. Um, and he just overwhelmed me. I, I, he loved me so hard. It was, Oh my. So shortly after we got married, uh, I'm just gonna say it. Shit hit the fan. Yeah. Um, our both of our lives just blew up because of um, just fallout. You know, we had between us six teenagers. Ooh. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm rounding up and down, but it was about that. <laughs> uh, but six kids, um, and my ex-husband was uncomfortable with the situation. And it just got messy, messy and ugly, you know, um, worse than after my divorce, as far as friendships, uh, and relationships, some of my primary relationships in my life ended because of this remarriage, uh, because they disapproved of Glenn. And I just wanted to love him. Yes. (laughs) And then, uh another big blow that happened during this time was in 2015. So we're not even married a year at this point. Um, My best friend from college passed away of cancer Mm. and a brand new marriage, you know, to have that kind of a heart, you know, um, break, it was really, really hard for Glenn to support me. Um, He did his best, but then, um, you know, I don't know. If there's an official diagnosis, uh, you know, it doesn't matter why, but he started to get profoundly sad. And Mm. in December of 2015, told me that he was going to end his life. So I and, and it was during a heated argument. The argument was because of some behaviors that he was exhibiting that I was uncomfortable with and um so we kind of stopped our world and just went into you know what can we do to get you better therapy yoga meditation counseling vacation you know what what can we do and um it got worse not better uh and then finally in march of 2016 um he lost his cool with me to the point that he was physically violent (sighs) still really hard to talk about just once you know he he didn't hurt me um you know terribly it was just a blow up but um any anything in that that's in my mind that was my solid line um And a lot of people I know have their line in a different place. And I've actually gotten some pushback that I should have tried harder. But I was afraid. And I made him him move out. And I told him, I can no longer live with a man that I fear. And five weeks later, he ended his life. Hmm. We had stayed in touch during that time. Um, He had threatened me and... We talked about divorce. I told him I loved him. I still tell, you know, still tell him I love him. The love was yeah. never, never a concern. I loved right. him hard, like I said. Yeah. But I was scared, and um, took his threat seriously. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what blessed event happened that saved my life. Because he very clearly had planned to end both of us. Mm. And that happens. I mean, you read about this. So this is, this is the fire, <laughs> Darian. That, that, yes. five, that five weeks of not knowing any moment if it was going to be my last. Now, when yeah. you live with that fear for five weeks, reclaiming joy isn't even a thought. It, it was a matter of just getting through the day, every day. I was still working. I was teaching yoga, at, um, probably 10 to 20 classes a week, depending on the week. I was working with private clients, and I was a zombie. I don't know how I did it. Um, so that, Oof. yeah, that, that five-week period um, changed me obviously and the yeah. and the aftermath of course um made me a completely different person than i was going into it
0: so what was the aftermath like what was the initial just gut reaction the feelings after that happened
1: <sighs> i might need to stop and cry for a minute. <laughs>
0: it's okay it's okay
1: i've never um this isn't a story that i'm uh experienced at telling um it's
0: okay okay take your time or we don't have to it's it's fine i just no
1: it's okay because this is the message right it's the getting through it it's the you can do it this is this is why we do this that's right the immediate aftermath started uh within hours of when he passed um he was hanging out with some friends for the last few weeks of his life, who were on vacation, and they called me and said they couldn't get a hold of him and that they were worried. And I went to his apartment, um, and I found him. And I, the police were there, but the, not with me when, when I saw his body. And so, they can't, you know. I went and found them right away. But so that started talk about shock. Um, that started that I don't know what to do now. Yeah. Nothing worked. You know, when you go, when you, when you experiencing something like that, and my resilience was already so low after months of being in this traumatic state, this heightened state of of fear. Um, Yeah. I, I just collapsed. I I would say uh, many weeks of, total collapse
0: yeah and what was that we're gonna keep going um That's you know okay. if it's a what did that collapse look like
1: it looked like a lot of time in bed a lot of time in fear when um when people who study ptsd will will know this that one even when the immediate threat is gone you your nervous system doesn't know it hmm. so every little noise every Everything, I couldn't drive, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and I had to do some things. You know, when, when this happens, the police are asking me in the parking lot, minutes after I discover what has happened, where to take his body. And I'm looking at them like, are you kidding me? I have yeah. to make a decision right now? Crazy. <laughs> yeah, beyond, beyond. So, yeah, Funeral Home, Um, that was probably the first place I went. Wow. Uh, The police decided what to do with his body. I couldn't decide, you know. (laughs) Right. It was, it was, so, yeah, total, total collapse, physical, mental, emotional. Everyone had to do everything for me um, for, for some time, and I have a lot of guilt about that because I wasn't able to be there for my kids or his. Right. I couldn't. I was destroyed. And I have done a lot of work to forgive myself for that. I don't know yeah. if anyone else has forgiven me. I don't have control over that. But, you know, when you add to trauma self, <laughs> uh, self-harm, the self-harm of guilt and shame, that is uh, that's just the wrong direction to go. But it's very natural because you want things to be different than they are.
0: Of course, of course. Very interesting how you, when your mother was passed, you know, down going towards that point where she was passing and you were kind of lifting all those weights for everybody else, you know, and then in this situation, everybody else had to lift for you and just the the incredible difficulties. See, I, I hear a story like that and, um, It's difficult to hear It's actually, actually more difficult than I thought it was going to be to hear that. Um, But again, I feel a lot of joy in hearing it in a sense, because now I know you better. I connect better with you. I can, we instantly bond and get closer from Mm -hmm. knowing that uh, about you. And I get to know that I get to know something so personal. And I guess a lot of other people now I get to know.
1: (laughs) Hi uh, listeners. Thank you for hanging in there. I love you.
0: It's right. But your pain is palpable. It is so real. And I'm listening to it. And I mean, you're painting this picture. I mean, I feel like I'm there. Like you're painting this picture and I'm just like blown away by your honesty in it. And uh, I thought we'd go deep, but I don't know if I thought it would turn into this. (laughs) But I'm glad it did,
1: though. Trying to answer your questions. I... I have I to say part of the reason I'm able to do this, and I, I'm just praying with all my might that this is reaching someone that needs to hear it. It will. Um, is that is through writing, through writing the story. that is That was um, about a year after Glenn died. I met a girl named Amanda Johnson, who is a I call her a book therapist <laughs> she's she's mm-hmm. a, a writing coach um, she gets people's messages 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 out. She helps uh, people write books and stories and uh, she's just brilliant um, but she was like you. She runs to the fire that's one <laughs> of her purposes on this planet and she yeah. sat with me in person and on zoom and through months of me writing these stories so that, and through that process, more than any amount of therapy or medications that I tried or anything else through that process, I was able to find healing.
0: Yeah. That's amazing.
1: And that's I mean, why I'm able to share this story,
0: man. Bravo. I mean, I i am blown away by it. I'm touched by it. I am a, uh, I'm grateful for hearing it. You know, I just, uh, that's just incredible. I'm not usually one who's like, doesn't have something to say. I always have something to say. I swear. My mouth's just like. We
1: love that about you. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm, I'm tripping over my words here a little bit. But uh, I well, had a great feeling about you yeah. when I asked you to come on and you have greatly exceeded what <laughs> I thought this would be. Greatly.
1: Well, I am just hoping now <sighs> you know like we talked about you can't change what happens to you my my mission or goal if you will is to try by sharing my story and not just the horror part of it but the recovery part of it by sharing that to to help support others because shit happens yep and it's not your fault and we don't need to suffer at our own hands and we don't need to suffer because of our experiences. If we can embrace these things as growth and part of the beauty of being human and go on and realize that there's so much beauty and love in the world for all there of is.
0: us. There is. There that's certainly what I is. want
1: people to hear in my story.
0: They're hearing it. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be powerful, very moving, incredible. That's what I want to to get with people you know mm-hmm. I don't know if you listen to uh my podcast with Rodney McElwain, who's I did. A, man the dude that had brain cancer yes holy cow man he he was living for his sons man oh and he, what
1: a beautiful story and oh, I believe in this I believe in spontaneous uh remission there's so yes. many stories about near-death experiences um I don't know if you're familiar with Anita Morjani yes I, Oh, did I pronounce her name right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she, her story, uh, you know, and I'm not saying it's possible for everyone because sometimes when you talk about these things, people who have relatives or loved ones who have died of cancer are like, well, he was just, you, you know, he worked hard to fight it and died anyway. It's, it's, not, it's not ubiquitous. Not everybody gets to that point. You know, we don't have control. But for some reason, Rodney and Anita and numerous other people, they're on death's doorstep and they come back.
0: It's incredible. You know, like we were I think it was kind of it really hit him like we were talking on the podcast. And I've talked to Rodney a couple of times, you know, off of the air and stuff. And he goes, you know, a long time ago, I was told I'd be dead by now. And I'm here on this podcast with you. I'm supposed to be dead and i said man this is and i knew as soon as we had that episode i was like this is exactly what i was going for man this is these stories of living during difficult times but also mixing it with a lot of fun weird stuff too at the same time Mm -hmm. and you know because it's for me it's like i always tell people like yes i'm in health and wellness and fitness but i don't want these stories i don't want these podcasts to be centered on sets and reps and all this stuff and techniques and like they're human stories and you just happen to be in this business as well. And it's a big part of your life. But you have other things that are extremely important to tell. And and that's why I don't have questions and stuff. Because people want questions like, are you going to ask me about like my educational background and stuff? I'm like, not really. <laughs>
1: uh, like, people can Google
0: that. Yeah, come on. Just go on my LinkedIn. You can look at where I went and stuff. Now, we'll right. talk deep. If I feel that there's a really... Pivotal, meaningful, some meat related to that journey. Of course, we want to talk about it, but just like the fact that you graduated, that's great. But yeah.
1: you know, you're looking I mean, for the the human story, not yeah. not the not necessarily what's on the resume.
0: Yeah, what classes you took in college? I mean, go the do that. The thing that, else, that anyway.
1: really yeah. struck me about Rodney, and I'm so you know, again, this is the beauty of how you are able to go so deep with with your uh, guests, uh, was how unimpressed he was i mean it it, you know with he's like well yeah i i beat brain cancer but what about all this other stuff you know (laughs) he was so that i i had to actually rewind and listen again because did he just say that did i really just hear him saying that that was not a a big deal but see to him it was just this is my battle and i'm gonna win it and now i'm going on That's right. And the rest of us are going, what?
0: (laughs) It floored me. Like, he's just like, yeah, I have brain cancer. You know, he's like very nonchalant about it. And I'm like, dude, you have brain cancer. He's like, yeah, I know. It's just like, it's not like you like strained your hamstring or something. And it's like, (laughs) you
1: know, right. He's just
0: like amazing. He amazes me all the time. Whenever I talk to Rodney, I'm like amazed by him. I'm like, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because when I was first listening, um, he he uses the word um, but he has yeah. he has a an accent or a, an intonation. Yeah. So in my yogi years I'm hearing him say om in between, uh, <laughs> in between some like of that. his comments. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy is the most spiritual person I've ever heard. He owns between <laughs> sentences.
0: <laughs> He's an awesome dude. You guys actually you guys should talk to each other. I mean, I think you guys would have an incredible conversation. And, uh, and that's one of the things I think is cool is like people come on the show and then they hear other people on the show and I go, you want to talk to them? <laughs> like, yeah. like, you want to have a conversation? Like all these people want to talk to Julia. And
1: I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah,
0: sure, man. I was like, we'll connect you to Julia. And it's like, it should just be this, the sharing stories, this community with each other. Like, yeah, this is just a regular it's happening. person. It's, it's, it's happening. happening. We're spreading I, I something. I reached out you know? to
1: Justin after I heard him on your.
0: Oh, uh, you love some Justin. You're you all about him. Justin.
1: I'm sorry, but the combination just fascinates me. The fact that he's this, you know, meathead gym rat, you know, exercise science guy. And at the same time, quoting Pema Chodron. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's just mind boggling to me. Who does that? It is. So I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. And so he's actually going to have me um, on his podcast.
0: See, look at you. You're podcasting out right now. You're just going... (laughs) You're just becoming a big head. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, wait till he hears yours. Yours, he's gonna be blown away.
1: Oh, I just really want to help people. I, I really telling my story is hard, Darian, because I I am so em- empathic. I don't want to do or say anything that upsets other people. Do yeah. you see how that goes? Sure. So I know that by telling my story you know, people are going to have feelings.
0: Of course they are.
1: <laughs> and, um, for a long time, I, I couldn't share it because I couldn't handle the feeling I had watching people hear my story.
0: Mm. mm. Yeah. I mean, you know what you, people are going to hear what they're going to hear. They're going to hear this and very personal things. And, you know, you can't control what other people say. And they're, they're, I'm sure in the recesses of some people's mind, they may be like, maybe this was a little too personal of an episode for me. I can't really listen to something like this. And that's okay. That's totally yeah. okay. And uh, maybe they're not ready for something like that. But, you know, in my time, I've learned that sometimes it takes a while to be uh, ready to hear something like this. And I just wanted to have different options for people. And they can go through and listen and yeah. say, you know what, I'm ready to hear Michelle's story. And, well, uh, and it's
1: the, the awareness, you know, if, if they don't want to hear this story, but they're aware that they don't want to, that is great self-awareness. It's, yeah. it's like, so maybe my story's the hundred pound disc, right? <laughs> um, And, and maybe they're only ready for the 50 and that's right. And that's okay. But that's what my work is about. That's my purpose is to help people get to, the ability to lift that hundred pound emotional disc so that when you have, when you don't have a choice, when you don't get to just say, no, I'm not going to listen to this podcast. I don't want to feel that much feeling. You know, when, when you are forced to by life, you're okay. You can be okay. It hurts, but it's okay to hurt because that's part of our part of the beauty of being human.
0: Totally is. I think that's, um, just fascinated by those stories. I think I was growing up, I would always watch like um, HBO sports and stuff like that. And these stories about athletes, but that they were bigger than the sport. It was about the life behind the athlete and all these incredible stories. I'm still pulled for, into that 30 for 30s. Yeah, on ESPN. 30 for 30. Oh my gosh, I can't get enough of those. And I think I've kind of mirrored my podcast kind of, you know, you take influences through different things. And you know, I listen to a lot of other people's podcasts, and I go, "Oh, man, okay." I like how they do this. I like how they do that. And I said, "Let put my own spin on it." And I figured, I thought I would be a good host for something because I feel like I can just naturally talk to stuff about things. And I think these are the stories that get me the most excited because they're just so out of my realm in many ways, and they put me in a different space. And I mm-hmm. hope that when people listen to this, it puts them in a different space and. I either am talking right now currently to people who are having some very deep emotional things going on in their life in terms of loss and recovery, or lately I've also been talking to a lot of college students that I I get on the podcast and talking about starting their life after college Mm -hmm. and the scary nature of that for them and where they're at in that time in their lives. I love those podcasts because they're very playful and fun, but they're scary too because they're admitting that they're afraid to be an adult. And yeah. what, what comes with that? And I always tell them, I said, man, you're going to go through some stuff. You've just started. You don't know where it's going to go, but it's, it's going to be messy sometimes, you know?
1: Yeah. And they're hearing that this is the first generation that's not going to be better off than their parents.
0: Right. You know, that's right. what, what I
1: keep hearing. And if that would be scary. I think so. Because you, you want this stability and this this sort of, you know, maybe not from your own personal house. I mean, with blessings, yes, that would be great. But, but from the generation before, that they're they're leaving the world a better place, that they're more abundance, more love, more joy. And in fact, <laughs> it, that's not what the case. So yeah, that's looking forward case. is. Um, It would be very scary for a young person. I mean, my daughters are now 23, 20, and 16.
0: Wow. Wow. I'm sure they're, you know, different phases of their life and starting to think about what their lives are going to be like as they continue to grow and and experience a lot. And I can't imagine they have you as their mother, which is amazing. And to be able to talk to them about some very difficult things, I would imagine that's got to be pretty impactful and resourceful for them
1: i just love them <laughs> I just
0: that's love wonderful
1: them. that's all i do just love
0: them. yeah <laughs> that's a big part of it you know the, maybe the biggest part is just loving and you know i was again part of sharing I, my daughter she um she gets very little tablet time to like you know go on electronics and stuff she just struggles with it and she gets too into it mm-hmm. and uh she you know she's seven Um, but so she went and snuck in and took out her tablet from our room this morning, which is a big, no, no, she knows not to do that. Uh So we put the tablets, (laughs) Hey, no tablet for a week, blah, blah, blah. And she's always been a very odd kid in a sense. She's, she's got a real sense of feeling. She's very mature for her age, Mm -hmm. but immature at the same time. So I'm taking her to summer camp this morning. So we're sharing it all here. I'm going to tell you something. It's very personal (laughs) to me.
1: It is. Parenting uh, is very personal. This
0: very personal parenting story. And so I said, you know, Rosie, her name's Anna Rose. We call Rosie. And I said, you know, tell me why you thought that was the right thing to do to take that out when you knew the rules and the consequences of that. And she's like, I I just, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what to say. I said, was it just the feeling was overwhelming? Like you felt like you needed to do this, even though you knew that it wasn't the right thing? She goes, yeah, it just kind of took over me. And I said, okay. And she goes, she starts crying. She goes, Daddy, what's wrong with me?
1: Oh. And I said,
0: Rosie, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. I said, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're kind. And then I started going into like, this is just part of life. There's rules. There's consequences. And we're trying to help you to grow up to be a good, strong, young lady. And this is where you learn all these, these rules and these lessons over time and how to become better and you make mistakes and all that. I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. And I dropped her off to summer camp and, and I, but before I dropped her off, I looked at her in the car. I got out of the car and I said, give me a hug. Aww. So I gave her this big hug and I got down her eye level and I pulled her chin up and I said, you mean everything to me. I said, you are so important to me. I'm going to love you forever. I will always be there for you. Making, making a mistake <laughs> does not mean that there's something wrong with you. Don't, don't believe that. Don't tell yourself that stuff. This, that's not going to help you you know and she's looking at me with these big big brown eyes you know and it's just it's those are the stories like those are the stories man it's like oh, i'm never yeah. gonna forget that conversation in the car all the oh. time we spend in the car talking to each other and vacations and and all that i just think it's all part of the growing we're growing through it as yeah. you said
1: yeah oh my gosh i could just see uh oh, so what a beautiful scene I was waiting for you to explain about how her prefrontal cortex got hijacked by her, <laughs> by her limbic brain.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, for, of course. that was Yeah, of course. And But, you know, it's funny. Kids, they don't understand, like, this drive, this feeling of why it's making them want to be connected to that stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And even a lot of adults don't. But, you know, they just, these things. And um, I just think those are the lessons. Those are the exciting things. You know, even my daughter, she sees me doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. and i got a little space for it and then so she's dad can i do my own podcast i'm like sure
1: oh my gosh so she
0: interviewed me for like 5 minutes one time and i kept it on her i said if you want to keep doing this let me know we'll 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 do some stuff you know and i'm thinking of having her on some of my podcasts, like do some of the introductions, like a real tiny one, like introducing Michelle Collins or something like oh, that, you know, that would be amazing. it's just amazing. Right. Like mm-hmm. just, you know,
1: those little voices,
0: those little baby voices inhabiting these tiny bodies. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. But I can imagine that, um, you know, your kids, I can imagine a strong mother. You have to be through going through all of that. And...
1: Well, they have to be strong too. I mean, they. Yeah. You know, it wasn't their husband, but it was their stepdad. And, right. You know, they don't really remember my mom. Uh, they were eight, five, and. No wait, let me get that wrong. Eleven, eight, and five when she died. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but...
1: but my eight-year-old actually, at the time, spoke at my mom's funeral, which was a... Oh
0: wow. <laughs> she's
1: she's amazing. Yeah. All my kids <laughs> all my kids are amazing. They, they are wow. absolute blessings to this planet. And I cannot uh, wait to see their impact.
0: And there will be an impact for sure. And just like you have had a tremendous impact in um, working what on you're doing it. and working on <laughs> it. Right so I want to kind of wrap this into the final part of this, which is inhabit joy. And coming full circle and talking a little bit about that.
1: Um, Well, I had the previous name for my business that I was doing my um, personal training and private coaching and uh, yoga therapy under uh, was called Embrace Life Center. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, after Glenn died, I felt like Embrace Life was a little bit ironic
0: Right. Right. No, <laughs> I, I totally I, get that. I yeah. no
1: longer felt connected to that name. And part of my journey over the last couple years, well, the couple years after he died, I guess it's still going on. But my journey to arriving at the name of that uh, inhabit joy for my my uh, business name was I, I did a lot of searching after Glenn passed a lot of, you know, we've we've touched on some of it, but then it'll all be in my book. Which is coming out next year. We can have another Fantastic. podcast closer to the time.
0: Totally agree. Um,
1: yes. But I, uh, one of the things that I did was I had a reading with a woman named Peg Rose who does what's called human design. So this is like astrology on steroids. <laughs> it's like okay, the the number of lines. I, I looked at the chart and my, you know, my eyes just got huge. I, I just couldn't even. You know, I'm like, what does this even say? It took two and a half hours for her to give me a cursory reading of this thing. Wow. But one of the things that she said was that my, the design of my life, the purpose, the reason that I inhabited this body at this time in history, in this area of the world was to, um, inhabit and exhibit joy to be an example for others, now this was about a year after Glenn died and I believe my response was are you fucking kidding me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what what else would be your response? I mean, uh, totally Joy? makes sense.
1: I mean, Joy. I was still I was deep in, you know, estate muck and mire and oh my gosh, my life was anything but joyful at that point and I was completely but so fast forward i don't remember how many months um once i had gotten my meditation practice in place and i'd started real emotional recovery work um and i was i was making some progress with it uh i i started kind of looking back at my notes about our call and, and some of the other things that i i did during my intense seeking period i i still seek you know i i ask questions all the time of everyone I can to try to learn the meaning of life and why we're here and all that. But so it came back around. And when it came time for me to launch this new business last fall, um, that I'm still in the process of launching, I think it'll always be launching because I change. (laughs) I'm just sort of changing. But um, as uh, you know, I'm focusing on wellness coaching and, uh, you know, recovery teaching like like what I'm, what's going to be in my book, meditation, self-care, that type of thing. Um, so wellness coaching, but through the lens of yoga. Um, I remembered that she said that I, my purpose for being here was to embody joy. And so that's where I got the name. It just felt right. Um, and that's the name of my company and maybe the name of my book, uh, I'm, I'm putting it out there, but you know, sometimes when you get close to publication, so I'm being flexible uh, right. and it just, it's what I do every day. It's an inward habit. That's why inhabit is such a beautiful word. You can create habits like we do as, you know, you're a personal trainer and, and yep. fitness instructors, um, yoga teachers, yoga therapists, uh, you know, we create habits by repetition and by doing work, by focusing our attention on what we want to manifest in our lives. And so I focus on joy. I create a habit of living joyfully. And it's hard work.
0: I think that's important to say that it's hard work. I think sometimes people think, oh, there's joyfulness to happiness. It's just, I'm just doing, it. I'm having a great time. But there's, there's a... A lot of work involved in that. I remember I wrote a post on LinkedIn one time saying, like, it's pretty hard to be positive. Like, I'm working. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, like, commented on it. And I said, yeah, it's like a daily hard thing to do. Like, really focusing on it, being intentional and action-driven about being positive and staying above the fray of it. Because it's just easy to be taken
1: down by a lot of things. Yeah, so it's, it's a choice. It's, it's a in, choice. Like you said, I want to highlight that word, Intention. Yeah, that you said it It really is. I I noticed for here's just a simple example that I, I gave when I was giving a talk uh, last month out in Detroit. Um, I was talking to a room full of women who had all uh, lost their mothers. Most of them at mm-hmm. a young age. It was uh, the annual luncheon for the Detroit uh, motherless daughters group, which is an amazing group. Pope Edelman wrote a book years ago called Motherless Daughters. It's launched a movement. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's an incredible organization. But um, anyway, I was giving this talk and I was talking about the example I gave was um, it's a choice. So say you're driving and you got cut off in traffic. So I'm trying to think of something almost everyone can relate to, right? You're late. You get cut off in traffic. You get angry. Right. So you get home and this anger is boiling inside you. And at this point, and this is where I bring in the, you know, if you meditate, you might be able to be aware of the anger rather than being the anger. Um, but that's for another podcast. So yes. you go in and you yell at your husband or your kids you're like, dang it, this guy po- ran over me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm so mad and I'm late. And you're, you're just like spewing, you know, if, if you yeah. could see this, like visibly see what the energy looks like, right? And then it spreads out into the house and everybody in there gets infected with this anger. And then they're probably angry too. Maybe at you, maybe not. Maybe they're angry at that person that cut you off. So you're making this giant pit of anger or frustration or, or, you know, wrongdoing. I was done wrong. Um, and you see how that just grows. You're just growing this anger that really you don't even need to hold on to. Yeah. It sucks that that happened, but so here's where we do our compassion uh exercise. Maybe that person was late to the hospital and their mom's dying. Maybe that person is worried that they're going to run out of gas. Maybe that person just got their head up their ass. Or maybe they're just an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. But either way, that person's asshole behavior does not need to come home and ruin your day.
0: Yes, totally true. And, you know, I think, I think that's very relatable because there are so many times when people defer their anger with something else into another space or other people. And and then it creates this whirlwind or this hurricane of weird energy, um, and then you're like, mm-hmm. this was not my intention for this to happen, you know. And I, yeah, I actually had an experience like that the other day with a very rude person on the phone about nothing like connection connections wise. It wasn't that
1: um, <laughs> you met someone you know, like, on LinkedIn, so
0: and they <laughs> were a real asshole. And I had to check. No, it was just you know it was for like um like an appointment or health based appointment, doctor visit stuff stuff like that. And just the person was just extremely rude and, uh, you know, I wasn't going to take that energy, but I didn't want to spew it back at them either. Mm -hmm. I was very Mm -hmm. mindful, So I just said, I'm, you know, this is not okay for me. So I'm just going to hang up. I announced that I was going to hang up. So I'm just going to hang up, said just like that, just hung it up. And yeah.
1: And you transformed it.
0: Yeah. I wasn't going to allow that. I'm not going to, you know, and I got home and my wife wanted to know how my day was and, and, uh, and I said, well, I had a, a kind of difficult phone call, but honestly, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to give that energy because it's going to be weird because I'll start getting hyped up about it potentially. And then you'll get upset because you're defending me and all this stuff. And I said, that person will not get my airtime
1: That is Exactly, you. exactly what I was talking about.
0: Yep. They will not get that airtime.
1: Nope.
0: With, uh, with the people I love. They are not going to be given.
1: And you transmuted courtesy. it you with yeah. your your intention and your attention. You're like, yeah. I'm not going to pay attention to that badness. I'm not going to start yeah, this, no. this anger mosh pit that everybody <laughs> around me is going to jump into with me. And then we're all going to be in there really uncomfortable, right? I'm going to just yeah. step out. I'm going to stay over here, love my wife, love my kid. Yeah. That's what you Because did. people
0: want people want you to rise with their anger. It's like this weird rising mechanism of like, I'm going to shout, then you shout. And then we get louder and louder <laughs> yes. and this whole thing. and becomes this ridiculous exercise of anger. And then it just destroys you internally how you're feeling.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I have learned over my time. I said that that will be that's lazy energy for me. Yeah, They probably I don't know what's going on in their life, but I'm not going to be treated like that. I'm not going to give it time. And I'm not going to give the story time in terms of the full on thing. Like I could have told you every exact thing that the person said, it's not worth it. I'm not going to push that onto you. I'm not going to push it on other people. But the story of dealing with it and saying, hey, I was willing to not give that time is, is valuable, yeah. I think. you know. So.
1: And that's the, the crux of it is that we have a choice. We right. can choose our reaction. You can choose yeah. to react like, you know, like I said, jump into the anger mosh pit and sp- yeah. pull everyone around you into it too. Or you can go, nah, I like your term, lazy energy. That's lazy energy. I'm it's gonna, just lazy I'm gonna energy. I'm leave that over there. Just bye and then go over here. I mean, it's beautiful. It's-
0: I took that. I did not come up with that. It was actually in that, That I'm coming back to Netflix. It was in that in that <laughs> series, four part series, when they see us and one of the mothers, she sees her son in jail, the dude's like 14 years old, and she tells him she's trying to give him hope in his situation and being there, and, she, and she's like, you know, don't go over what happened in the case and all that stuff. That's lazy energy. All you can do is you need to have something to look forward to, something to have hope to get through this situation, and I think we we always, as human beings, we constantly are giving lazy energy to other people. You know, we're giving time to things that are, we should not be giving time to. We should not be allowing that to just manifest and grow like this malignancy in yeah. our life. It's just, you don't need that. And so, which is funny because I'm a, I'm a very calm uh, talker or um, let's say in conflict, I'm very calm. Mm-hmm. And most people I'm around, they hate that. They don't like that about <laughs> me because I will not rise to that other level. My wife, it took her some time getting used to, it, and she's like, there you go. You're doing your calm thing again. Like, you won't <laughs> get upset and I'm like, yeah, it's just not worth it for me. i was like, I don't fear the conflict. The conflict's good. Good conflict, I grow from it. I learn from it. I'm not going to run away from this positive thing. We're having a disagreement, but I'm also not going to let it consume me. And I'm not going to rise with you or someone else and start saying, because once you start rising and you start getting really emotional, that's when you say things that you can't unsay. To other people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you, you, you give the, what I call the low blow to people—something that you know will hurt them really badly—and you take out your verbal sword and you, and you cut their head off. Oh, yeah! I never want to do that to people because those things are—that's hard to come back from when you say something that that's that damaging to somebody. They, they remember it, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's exactly very well said. Hard to come back from.
0: It's damaging. So, <sighs> anyways. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I knew this was going to be a long one, which is great. I love these kind of long form conversations. The only way you get to know about people is really dive in deep. Yeah,
1: so um, I'm, gonna, I'm
0: grateful. I'm going to
1: have to take a nap or at least an emotional nap after this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, I just uh, shed the skin and now it's time to well, it takes some time. You know,
1: like we talked about it, I, you, you encouraged me, but I, uh, I want to be ready because I want to help. I want people to know they are not alone. I want people to know that there is help. Their suffering can be eased. You can go through stuff and still be okay. I want people to know that.
0: I think that's a great way to end it off. I mean, <laughs> so wonderful. Thank you. You're beautiful. You're kind. You're loving. You're caring. You're caring. You are amazing, Michelle, and you, as I tell my daughter, fill other people's bucket, fill their bucket Mm -hmm. with good things, make them feel good. You certainly have filled my bucket today. Hopefully other listeners have given us a lot to think about.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for this uh, amazing work you're doing. So valuable, so loving and caring. I, I really appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much, Michelle, and I'm sure we'll be in contact very soon.
1: So. Oh yeah, I've thought of three other uh, podcast topics while we've been talking. So,
0: oh wow, okay, so we're gonna be we're gonna be doing some stuff in the future. <laughs> I, I planned on it too, but thanks for uh, corroborating
2: that. Yeah, all right.
1: Talk to you. Thank you soon. for your time. Thanks. All right,
0: bye.
1: From
0: earaches to strep tests, visit MinuteClinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's how healthier happens together. Services vary by location. Prescriptions can be obtained at pharmacy of choice. Visit MinuteClinic.com for details.